started a series last week called Paths. And last week we looked at this path of destruction. Okay, that was the first path we looked at. And again, these aren't, these aren't the paths that Christians should walk or, or that Christians should strive to, to emulate. These are the paths that Christians do walk. But remember, that's what we were talking about. And so we looked at this path of destruction and how it was, it was so closely tied to our sin and ourselves separating ourselves from God. And we dug into the story of Samson, uh, if you remember that, and how he fell prey to the temptations of Satan. And remember, we, we saw the three things that as a Nazarite, um, he was not supposed to do. And it was cut your hair, um, mess with dead things, and... Uh, do stuff with grapes, eat grapes or anything. And we saw him walk through a vineyard, uh, eat out of, a, out of a, a dead animal, and ultimately have his hair cut. And that's when we got to the end of the story <clears throat> where he had led himself down this path of destruction. And he, he confessed to Delilah uh, the source of his strength. And, and, and when, when she cut his hair, remember, so often I hear people say that he was strong because of his hair, like his hair was the source of his strength. But really, his strength did not come from his hair. It came from God and his hair was simply a symbol of his commitment, his devotion to God. Remember, because that's what it meant as a Nazarite to not cut your hair was that you were committed to God. And so while his power did not come from his hair, it came from his connection and his commitment to God. Uh, because we see uh, when, he, when he was taken by the Philistines, we saw this, it's in verse uh, 20, I think, uh, of chapter 16 of Judges. We'll get there in a second. But when he was taken with the Philistines, it doesn't say he realized his hair had left him when he realized he didn't have any strength. It says he realized that God had left him. And we talked about the very real thought that God can leave us. And again, this isn't a, a, a losing your salvation type of God leaving us uh, because we talked about the assurance of salvation that we have, that once we're saved as a believer, God cannot leave us in a salvational sense, but, but rather that God left him in this, this sense of God's power and, and, his, and the, his power to do his will in your life, right? We, we all agree that God gives us power to do what he has ordained for us to do, right? If God wants to use me to teach, God gives me the power to teach. This is not by my own ability or my own talent or anything that I get up here and teach. It's, it is empowered from God. And, and, and so if we, we examine this real idea of God's power leaving us like it did Samson, um, we, we have to understand that it is definitely plausible uh, that God's power can leave you and make you, again, hopefully this is only temporarily that it leaves you, but leave you useless in the eyes of God. And we should never want to find ourselves in this situation that Samson found himself in, right? He has his hair cut off and he realizes God has left him and he is at that moment useless to God. <clears throat> so this is where we're picking up. We're, we're picking up where we left off, right? Samson just had his hair cut. Um, the, the Philistines rushed in and they took him prisoner, right? We, we know that, that Samson, had, his parents had been told that he was going to deliver the Israelites from the Philistines. And now it looks like that's all coming down because Samson had been such a great warrior and fighting off the Philistines for so many years, but now they have him in captive and he had his source of his strength. God has left him. And that's where uh, we left off last week. So today we're going to pick up there because thankfully for Samson, 
And ultimately, thankfully for us, going down this path of sin and destruction is not the end of the story. Right? We ended there last week, but that's not the end of the story. It is not where we are meant to be, and it's not where God leaves us. Today we're going to talk about the path of redemption. If you picked it up from the video, we're talking about redemption and this path of redemption that we walk down as followers of Christ. So like I said, we're going to be in Judges 16. If you want to turn there in your Bibles, again, if you don't have your Bibles, you should because we're in church. If you don't have a Bible, come talk to me. I'll get you a Bible. But we're in Judges 16. We're going to read verses 20 through 22 right here. Uh, This is like bridging where we left off into what we're talking about today. So Judges 16, starting in verse 20. Then she called Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he awoke from his sleep and thought, I will go out before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. That's where we ended last week. So 20 verse 21. Then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes and took him down to Gaza, binding him with bronze shackles. They set him to uh, grinding in the prison, but the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. Okay, so we see, we, we see uh, Judges 16. All right, Judges 16. So we see here in this moment, he's taken captive. They gouge out his eyes, which I like seriously, like when I was reading this, I started like poking myself in the eye just a little bit. And I was like, that would be a very painful experience. Not something I want to go through. But they gouged out his eyes and they, they shackled him up in prison, right? And so he is, he's trapped right here. But verse 22 is very interesting to me. Why is this important? Why is verse 22 so important? We've already established that his power came from God and not his hair. So why then would the author point out that his hair began to grow again? I think this was done to symbolically display the redemptive power of God. His hair beginning to grow back was a metaphor for the shame and and disappointment that Samson felt in himself before God. Right? We, we, can, we can understand that after Samson had gone through walking through the vineyard and being around grapes like he wasn't supposed to and eating out of a dead animal like he wasn't supposed to and ultimately having his hair cut like he wasn't supposed to, we can, we can imagine that at that moment when Samson realized that God left him, that there was this shame and this disappointment that fell on himself because he knows that he has broken this covenant and this commitment that he made with God. And and I'm sure that he felt that not only did he let his people down, because remember, he was supposed to be this guy that was going to release them from the Philistines. So not only did he let his people down, but he let God down as well. And I feel at this point, Samson did what many of us do when we've botched things up, trying to do them ourselves. He turned to God and asked for help. And we always hear people say, you know, that you you hear this old adage that people only pray to God when they need him. And and I find this for, for the average Christian to be so true is we think we can do things on our own and we only go to God when everything comes crashing down. And this was the case with Samson. And when reality should be, we should be constantly connected with God all the time and dependent on him. But Samson's in this situation. He's walked down this path of destruction as we all do in our lives. And, and we're sitting here and he goes, he turns to God and asks for help. He realized that his strength and his power 
these things that he made him so prideful, right? We, we know that he was a very prideful person because he talked about how he could take all these men, all the Philistines, everything. So these, this source of his pride were ultimately of and from God, right? It's one thing to think, oh, I'm big and strong and I can take these guys myself. That's a source of pride. But when you ultimately attribute that your strength, your power, your might comes from God, this is where he was able to reestablish this connection between himself and God. I feel when this was reestablished, right? So, so I'm imagining in this moment when things started to go horribly wrong and he prayed to God saying, God, I messed up. I broke my covenant with you. I'm so sorry. I feel like this moment reestablished a connection and, and, and he, this is a time when Samson admitted his fault and confessed his sins and his temptations. And God reinstated this connection with Samson. And thus we see what the author writes, his hair started to grow back. Which this seems like such a trivial thing, but we know that the hair was a symbol of his covenant and his connection, his special connection as a Nazarite to God. <laughs> the other thing I find very interesting about verse 22 is how close in proximity this is to his capture. There's literally his capture in verse 20. Verse 21 is just like about how they chained him up. And then immediately verse 22, we're back on this redemptive path. Normally in the Bible, we see people in this state totally broken at the end of the path of destruction. And we can, we can see them in jail. And, we, and sometimes, especially in the New Testament, when Paul's writing, he'll write about being in jail. And I mean, we see people in these, the end part of the path of destruction for a long time. However, we see no such time here. It's almost like Samson hitting rock bottom and God's redemption happened simultaneously in his life. And I think this goes to illustrate the point that God can still use us despite our sin. Now, I'm going to say that again because I want everyone to hear this. And it's one of the most gracious but terrifying truths in our life. God can and will still use us despite our sin. On one hand, what a gracious moment that God forgives and redeems us to be used despite our flaws. But on the other hand, what a frightening thought that God can use us when we're at our worst, sinners separated from him. Guys, there's no bigger display of God's forgiveness and his love for us than desiring to use us despite constantly choosing, despite us constantly choosing to separate ourselves from him. I, guys... Um, I constantly, you guys probably hear me do this all the time. You probably think I'm lazy, which I guess is a little bit true, but <clears throat> I ask you guys to help me do a lot of things around here and I'll be like, Hey, take this to so-and-so or run this here. Or, hey, will you go get this from my office? Yeah. I use you guys around here. And then I also use you guys like, uh, Haley and Koya. I had you guys in the kitchen tonight, taking phones and getting drinks. Everything. Like I use you guys to, to kind of help the ministry around here run. But wouldn't it shock you all if I asked someone who had intentionally separated themselves from the church, had almost made a declaration that like, I want nothing to do with First Baptist Church Lowell. If I asked that person to come in and help in the youth ministry, or maybe even come in front of you guys and teach one night, that would, that would be really, really weird, right? Like we can all admit that would be a strange situation. 
we would all look at that and realize it's probably not the greatest idea to use someone who has openly admitted they want nothing to do with this to, to be a big part of it. However, God does this every day with us, right? When he takes someone like me, a sinner who makes a stupid decision daily to sin and separate myself from God, and yet he still speaks to me, blesses me, and allows me to come in here and teach his beloved. Guys, you are God's beloved, and he allows me, he has ordained me, he has called me, and given me the words to speak to you guys, even though I fail him every day, which is just mind-blowing if you think about it. We wouldn't allow people in our lives who have betrayed us so over and over again. We wouldn't trust those people, but God uses us every day. <clears throat> Guys, the, honestly, the amount of, of forgiveness and, and grace in that situation is overwhelming. So this verse, verse 22 of chapter 16 of Judges, is one of the more impactful verses when it comes to this idea of a path of redemption. Not only that, but it's also foreshadowing that God is not done using Samson to fulfill his plan and purpose. Remember, Samson's plan and his purpose for his life was to help the Israelites get out of the bondage of the, the Philistines, right? And, and we see at this moment where his, it, it denotes that his hair starts to grow. It's almost like foreshadowing saying, hey, his string's coming back. He's going to wreak havoc on everyone. It's like, it's like a little bit of foreshadowing in that moment that God's not done yet. And in the same manner, in your own lives, no matter what you've done, God is not done using you. This verse, as weird as it may sound, should be a rallying cry for God's people. That we would all call out to God to allow our metaphorical hair to begin growing again. Now, I always get teased because I'm going bald. I'm tall enough that I kind of hide it well. No one can see the top of my head usually. But, but when I say like this idea of our hair growing again, I hope you realize that it means it's, it's, it's not a physical like, God, please let my hair grow again. Right? It's, it's a metaphorical idea of like, God, please connect with me again. Allow me to be your, in your good graces again. Work through me again. So that we may walk this path of redemption and be remade usable in the eyes of God. But not just to stop there, but that God would see us as usable and call us to do his work. Guys, it's one thing to be usable and it's another thing to actually do it. Right? Like we have an ice machine in the, in the kitchen and it works, but I never use it. Yeah, I'm crazy, right? So it's one thing to be able to be used, and it's a whole other thing to be used. We don't have ice because I didn't use something that's perfectly usable. Weird example, I know, but you guys understand what I'm saying. <clears throat> we see this with Samson as we jump back in, and we see the redemptive process completed. So, so we're going to jump ahead a few verses, but we see, I'm going to kind of set the scene for you guys here. We see all the Philistines... Uh, the high-ranking leaders, all the people in charge of the Philistine people, like the, the heads of the government and everything, plus a bunch of Philistines have gathered in the temple. And they're looking for something to make them feel good, almost like the Romans would in the Colosseum. Like they would gather and be like, hey, let's, let's throw some people we don't like down there and watch them die. Like, I don't know why that sounded fun to them, but whatever. And so in this moment where they're looking for something to feel good about themselves, they call upon Samson and they say, hey, we have, we have captured Samson and we feel so good about ourselves and we've gouged out his eyes and it's hilarious. 
uh, we're going to bring him in here and we're all going to laugh at him. And it's going to be our entertainment for tonight. So they call for Samson. They bring him in and they lead him into the temple. <clears throat> and he walks in and he says this very interesting prayer. Verses 28 through 30 of, of chapter 16. He says, Then Samson prayed to the Lord, O sovereign Lord, remember me. O God, please strengthen me just one more. And let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. Then Samson reached towards the two center pillars on which the temple stood, bracing himself against them, his right hand on one and his left hand on the other. Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all his might and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus, he killed many more when he died than when he lived. <clears throat> Guys, hear me up, and I'm, and I'm going to kind of wrap it up here. Um, so, so stick with me for just another second. It's important to remember that redemption does not mean that we are fully spared of any sort of punishment. Right? Like a lot of times we think that if we're redeemed, it means that we're like, you, you know, we get away and we're not punished at all in this situation. After all, we did walk down the path of destruction to get here. We must expect some sort of punishment, some sort of, of hard times in our life, something. However, redemption does mean that no matter what you've done, no matter how horrible this world, or maybe even yourself, tells you that you are, God still loves you. Not only does God still love you, but he wants to use you. He wants to use you to do his work and to preach his gospel to all people. And this sounds like a tall task. Like if I told you, hey, God wants you to preach his gospel to all people. Like you'd be like, uh, yeah, right. But realistically, if you read scripture, that's exactly what God wants us to do. That's what he calls us to do. That's what he designed us to do. This could sound like a scary task and one that, that we don't want to take on. But we have to realize that if we are redeemed, we are labeled usable by God and thus equipped to do his work. So I'm going to give you guys a little bit of a homework assignment today. Yeah, you guys didn't think you were going to get homework coming to church tonight. I promise it's not that bad. Chill, chill. <clears throat> but before I give you guys your homework assignment... I want you guys to think about this. We've talked tonight about this. This We talked about leading down the path of destruction last week. And tonight we've talked about leading and going down this path of redemption. Maybe tonight you've realized that you've traveled too far down this path of destruction. You're sitting here tonight questioning because of what you've done or how you're living. If you're even worthy to travel the path of redemption. Is God really able to love you because of who you are and what you've done? Guys, I promise you that not only is he able to love you, he does love you despite anything that you've done in your life. And he wants you to be redeemed tonight. He wants to regain this connection with you for your spiritual hair to begin growing again tonight. Guys, if this is you tonight, 
I challenge you to rededicate your life to God. Now, this doesn't mean anything spiritually like super special. Like we're, you're, not, you're not getting resaved or anything, but it's simply a commitment between you and God where you're going to devote yourself to be better connected to him and allow your life to better example who he is and who he wants you to be. Guys, if you want to make this commitment tonight and, and, and like, it's one thing if I was like, Hey, if you want to make this commitment tonight, raise your hand and everyone in you raises their hand. Like I want to be committed to God. Guys, I'm not saying this as some sort of like inspirational message, but realistically, if you want to recommit your life to God tonight, to be doing the things that he has called you to do, to be the person that he wants you to be, I want you to find, if it's a peer, that's cool. If it's one of the adults in here, awesome. But I want you to find someone. I want you to say, hey, look, God told me tonight that I am not living my life the way that he wants me to. I'm not doing the things. I'm not saying the things. I'm not behaving the way that God wants me to behave. And I need someone to help keep me accountable. I want to recommit my life to serving God. And I need someone to keep me accountable in that situation. Guys, I would just pray that if you are feeling convicted tonight by the way that you're living, that you would take that step. That you would talk to someone and you would find accountability for someone to, to hold you to the standard that God wants you to be living at. <clears throat> now, I'm hoping in, in this moment that either... You realize that you are really connected to God and thus you don't need to recommit your life because you're already like super solid. Or you're realizing, man, I need to do things better. Okay? And I hope that in that moment you guys got that all squared away with God. That you just felt conviction in your heart to do that. And now that we've got that all squared away with God. And I'm hoping that now you're inspired to do your homework. And so here's what your homework is. This week I want you to think of one person. One person. That's it. Okay? I want you to think of one person in your life that you know that needs to hear the gospel. I, 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 like, I can think of a very large number just right off the top of my head. But I want you to think of one individual person in your life that needs to hear the gospel. And I want you to pray for that person. Okay? Because, because just sharing the gospel with someone is good. But praying for someone is just equally as good. Okay, so I want you to pray for that person. So tonight, I want you to think about your person. I want you to start praying for them. Oh, I'm challenging you guys to pray for them every single day. And ultimately, I want you to present the gospel to them. And, and, and hold on before I say this. I want you to present the gospel to them. And this seems like a tall homework assignment, but I'm going to give you some help. Okay, I'm going to give you a little cheat sheet here. Next week... We're going to continue our paths series and our path is going to be the path of salvation. <clears throat> the gospel will be, will be presented in here at this time next week. So if you feel like you are not equipped at this time, which you are, but if you don't feel that you are, I'm giving you an out. If you don't feel you're equipped to share the gospel with this one person, what I'm asking you to do is invite them to church. Invite them to a place where they will hear the gospel. Because the best thing you can do if you can't share it with them personally is lead them to a place where they do hear the gospel. So I'm challenging you to find one person in your life that needs to hear the gospel, pray for them this week, and ultimately either share the gospel with them yourself or invite them to church next Wednesday night. Guys, we, we like to make doing God's work a lot harder than it actually is. Like we, we like to sit here 
and, and say that we can't do things that God has equipped us to do or that, that we, you know, that that's not our calling. Like, oh, that's not my job to share God with them. Like someone else will do it. We like to make doing God's work a lot harder than it actually is. And if you've walked this path of redemption in your life, if you've gone down the path of destruction and found yourself at rock bottom and you've seen God redeem you out of that, then you are equipped by God to do his work and you should do it. And so I'm challenging you guys tonight to not just walk this path of redemption because that's good. Right To understand that God can redeem you from anything. So I'm not challenging you just to walk this path of redemption. But I'm challenging you guys to act on it. To do what God has called you to do after he redeems you. And that is to do his work. To share his gospel. Guys, I'm going to pray for you. And, uh, I, and then we, can, we were getting out a little early. We, our times must have been off tonight. But we'll, we'll get out a little early. We can hang out here for a few minutes or whatever we need to do. But let me pray for you guys real quick. God, thank you. Thank you so much for your redemptive power, God. God, in no way do we deserve for you to love us the way that you do or to use us the way that you do. But we thank you so much that you do love us and that you do call us to do your work and use us in the mighty way that you do, God. And I pray that you would burden the hearts of every individual in this room, that we would just have a, have a stronger passion and desire to go out into our communities and to do the work that you've called us to do, and that is to share the gospel with every person that we come in contact with. God, I pray that, that our lives would just be reflections of, of your love and your forgiveness and your redemptive power, and that we would just exude the light of you throughout our world, God. God, I thank you so much for these students that are here, the passion that they have to learn your words, the, 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 the desire that they have to hear and understand your teaching, God. And I pray that you would just open their, their ears and their hearts and their minds to your words, God, that they would continue to pursue knowledge of you as they leave this place. God, I pray that you would bless them. God, thank you so much for the blessings that you bestow on us. And I pray that you bless these students as they go into this world that is set up and designed to destroy us in so many ways. And I pray that you would bless them and keep them safe from that and keep them away from all that negativity and allow them to stay focused on you and shine for you, God. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.